In this episode of the Science and Spirituality podcast, we had the pleasure of interviewing Githanjali Hemp, who is a master energy healer, a visionary mystic, and the founder of the Sintara system, which we actually got into in this episode talking about, but a bit more about her. She brings over 23 years of study and training with healers and masters from some of the world's richest traditions and the most cutting edge healing modalities. And she has spent the last 21 years in active practice, both as a practitioner and a teacher, leading retreats, workshops, professional trainings, virtual courses, facilitating ceremonies and women's groups. And she shares that there's nothing she loves more than helping people awaken to the magic of creation and fully embodying their unique brilliance and service to the whole, the whole world. So I really felt that honestly, like everything she has in her bio, like I really felt that in this conversation. Yeah, I did too. And, and, and it was really cool to hear like the implications that this type of work had for the whole, which yeah. I thought was the way that she explained it was really good. And so, um, yeah, we really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Absolutely. And one other quick thing, just cause I, she didn't say this in her bio and we didn't really say this yet, but like yeah. just key in on the toroidal field that she speaks about, that is so essential to making a massive change in your life. So that, that to me, like, I'm so glad that she talked about it because it's something I've been getting into more and more, but yeah, mm -hmm. she talks a lot. Apparently it sounds like it's like her entire practice. Yeah, or her, like an integral part of her, her healing. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. Yeah. So key in on that, when that comes up, I think it's like 20, 30 minutes into the conversation, but really, really powerful. So enjoy it. We'll talk yep. soon. Welcome to the Science and Spirituality Podcast, where we dive deep into universal spiritual principles and ground them in modern science. My name is Chris Carden. And my name is Kevin Carden, and we are committed to simplifying the spiritual side of success for you with easy to understand scientific research so you can walk away with practical tools to create radical transformations in your life. Let's get started. All right. So welcome back to the Science and Spirituality Podcast. And today we have a special guest, as we mentioned, Gitanjali Hemp. So welcome to the podcast. We're excited for this conversation. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Ditto. We're happy to be have you here. So just share your, you know, your story of how you are, where you are today and what you do in the world. Because I mean, for what I read in your bio, it's just incredible, your story. So I'd love to hear just a snippet of that, of just like, you know, what got you to where you are today. <laughs> Um, I developed an energy healing modality called Centara System, and we really work with the energies of the unseen realms. And a lot of energy modalities and models work with the energy of thoughts of the body of the emotions. Right. And we're really working with the causal level of energy. So the energy behind the energy. So mm -hmm. um, the, the work we do is subtle and yet profound. It has a lot of ripple impact. And so a lot of what we work with is what has been relegated to the realms of religion um, historically. And so what I like to say sometimes is we're working with developing a capacity for us to have a language and therefore a way to connect with the multidimensionality of our humanity, that we're mm -hmm. so much more than what we kind of give ourselves room for in our culture. And to take it out of the realm of religion, but allowing ourselves to have a, for, a more fully understood and embodied understanding of the fullness of who and what we can be as humans. So, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. It, and quick question, because the, the way in which you describe the healing modality is like energy behind the energy. Mm -hmm. You even use the word, it's subtle. Yeah. Is it similar or actually exactly like subtle energy? I've heard that term before. 
Yeah. So subtle energy, I think. So one of the things when we're working with these realms is that there's a lot of language that overlaps and also a lot of language that's used slightly differently. It's not been codified to have one particular meeting. Right. So a lot of the time people will use subtle energy to talk about any and all energy that's not um, you know, tangibly seen by our senses. Hmm. So yeah, there's nuance in that. But yeah, I think it definitely falls under that category. Depends gotcha. on how nuanced you want to get. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Cause yeah, I mean, language or even words are a construct of our, this human reality. So it's kind of hard to like, I met, I bet to like make it a, a codify it, like you said. Yeah. So yes, yeah, sounds awesome. The work you're doing. So tell, I, I'm curious, like how, how did you get into all this? Cause you seem pretty young yourself. Like, I mean, just as in your bio is like 20 plus years in this, this field yeah. of healing. So like what brought you to this? You know, I think like for a lot of us, we'll look back and be like, oh, there was these inklings of it forever since I was a child, you know, but right. more formally, really, um, you know, as a teenager, I had interests with different things. Um, but when I went to school, I went to UCSC in Santa Cruz in California, and they had uh, programs doing energy healing of all different sorts. They had kind of a massage and then they were Tai Chi and Qigong and as I started playing in the energies, it just really started moving in me really quickly. And I had some really big awakening experiences. And I think there was a lot of latent past life type of cultivation that was there that it activated. And so then I was just really desperately seeking teachers and I just started looking for them and learning and studying everything that I could. And it has just been an ongoing and continuous passion of mine. But if I look even further back, that was true. You know, I think when I was like, 14, I had a book on the chakras. Like there was just, it was nice. always something that was kind of interesting for me. And so it's just, it just continued to play out like that. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yes. So I'm assuming in the very beginning, you were doing a lot of study and I guess a lot of self-practice. When was that moment where you realized, Hey, other people could use this. And where did you get the confidence to be able to say, yeah, I'm going to do this? Yeah, it's a great question. It was a little bit it wasn't quite a distinct line like that for me. It was more like every time I would study something, I'd get really passionate about it and kind of get involved in it. And not long after that, the people who were the teachers or you know the, the facilitators would ask me then to train to teach. And then I would teach all these different models. So I was kind of learning and teaching simultaneously a lot all the way through the process. And um, it always felt like something that was important for more than just me. Um, I think that um, as much as I had a passion and inspiration for studying these mystical realms and a connection to these places and spaces, I had as much of a desire for service. Hmm. So that was kind of always there as well. I think as a teenager, there was also places in me that I just felt, what's the word? I mean, bordering on depression for the suffering that was in the world and how people were living and knowing that there had to be a different way or something was just not quite lining up right just feeling really kind of disconnected and incoherence that I saw around mm -hmm. me a lot of the time so as I started you know I'd pray for a teacher just <laughs> mm -hmm. at that point separate from the energy piece just like you know how how do we humans do this differently how can we do this better and so as soon as I started learning I was like okay like can we start building some sort of a foundation for these ways of knowing and these ways of being to be a part of how we're actually creating culture. Hmm. Yeah, I think that it's a perfect time and the perfect place right now to be doing work like that because I feel like we've gotten to a point in humanity where we're so comfortable. Like a, a lot of the things that we used to have to deal with, like, fi like 
fighting for food and like survival, like all that stuff's been pretty much solved by like modern technologies. And I feel like now people are starting to wonder like what else is there and, and, and they've, they, they're, they're hungry and they're searching. So I definitely, have you found that too, as well, as you've progressed through this, that more and more people are starting to become interested in this and seeking out like other forms of therapies? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think I've been doing a lot of this work long enough that what I was doing that was really on the fringe has gotten more and more centered or more and more commonly understood or expressed that um, these conversations are happening with more and more people. And the repercussions and the impact of these ways of thinking in a good way are starting to show up in more and more structured spaces and institutions and organizations and the way people are doing business. Um, I think it's absolutely, I, th- I think there's two ways I would say, it. I think it's true, you know what you're saying that, that people have that, um, a lot of our basic needs are met fundamentally. And so from there, we can start to explore other spaces and places. And I think simultaneously, the opposite's true, where I think we're hitting places that are kind of critical and, and in crisis. And so people are, are more than I think they were five years ago, 10 years ago, open to trying something different. Where right. before, you know, they're kind of like, well, <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. We don't know where we're going. So what's possible in a way that I don't think was really on the table before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also feel like a lot of people like yourself are all, are stepping up to that calling too, of, of wanting to help others. And the more that, you know, that energy is being put out into the ether, into the universe, the more people pick up on it and they feel ready to maybe reach out. I've, I've been noticing that a lot too. Yeah, I think I think that 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 is true. I mm. think that, that is true. Yeah, more and more people showing up, stepping up, being willing to have a bigger voice or presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say for for people that come to um, work in your healing modality, what are the biggest pain points that you usually see for them? Like, do you have like an avatar that usually seeks you out, or is it completely random? Um, it's a great question. And I'll answer it to the best of my ability. We do see in some ways, a lot of diversity. We see a lot of diversity in terms of age and in terms of application. So people don't just come who are going to go work one-on-one with people, you know, in, in session work forever. We have some people that are like that, but we do see people who are therapists. We see people who are entrepreneurial. We see people who are in corporate um, managing teams or, you know, uh, in, in a lot of different ways. What I would say is common amongst all of them is that they have a spiritual knowing or a spiritual practice and they have a capacity and desire to work in the world. Mm. And then there's an intersection between those things. And some of them might feel like, oh yeah, there's some meaning in the work that I do, right? There's some way that it connects, but there's not a, they want a deeper integration. They want their spirituality and their day-to-day lives and their work to be more integrated and cohesive in some way. Mm. They're looking for a greater expression of that. Um, in life and so sometimes we talk about them as being hubs in their community Um, interesting so that could even be you know a stay-at-home mom and yet maybe they're very connected in their homeschooling community or environment or the people that are around them but in some way they, they kind of hold a position of rather than hierarchical leadership they kind of hold a they're the person that people come to in some way so that tends to be who we who we attract it sounds like these are my words for it, but it sounds like you attract people who hold space. Yeah. That's the, I, that's the, my terms that I, cause I hold space. Like I know many people I've worked with, they hold space, but like, yeah, that term sounds like it fits like a hub. Like you a said, hub, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. You can, you can also see why people like that would probably seek out 
different forms of healing too, because if you're a person who holds things and you don't know how to handle that, and there's a lot of energy coming at you, that can, that can also backfire. Like, I, I feel like that sometimes where if I get too involved in what's going on with the world, like, I feel like I take on things that aren't mine. And if you're not careful, like you could think that they're yours and you can kind of spiral down and, you know, depression, anxiety and all that stuff. So I think it's really important to work with those people for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the main pieces of the model is we talk about consciousness states and, and, and we're always looking for creating a quality of stability within our, within our energetic body. So when we, the way we work with consciousness states is kind of saying that it's a whole big teaching. So I'm going to try to like find a succinct way to apply it in a way that's useful in the next few minutes. <laughs> but essentially it's that, yeah, there's, there's a developmental stage where it's really important to just cultivate our own energy. And then at some point it's this learning of turning how to have that foundation and then receive what's difficult in the world, settle it, center it, and then be able to offer something back that becomes a co-creative new way of moving with that discomfort or, or difficulty in the world. So we actually begin to create a new culture, um, if that makes sense, right? And so yeah, it it's really sense. learning our own consciousness within that turning point. Um, and that, that, that takes a lot, of, a lot of practice over time. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. not many people are trained in that or have an upbringing that is conducive to that. Yeah. And, and that's essentially, I mean, if we were to put in a nutshell, a lot of what we end up doing, it's, it's learning how to do that into greater and greater capacities. So mm. we call that creator consciousness rather than just, there's levels of just manifesting um, and there's levels of being kind of in warrior and victim mode. But when we really get into this kind of quality of being able to center in this way, we don't have to turn away or avoid things. Um, in a, in a well-paced manageable way, as much as we can digest, we can turn towards things, integrate in a new way and become part of a solution, um, beyond in a way, a way that we could think or understand, but in a way that we spontaneously emergently relate in a new way. If that makes sense. A hundred percent. I think that actually might be a nice bridge into like, or the quote unquote topic. Cause honestly, this happens all the time with our podcast <laughs> yeah. episodes with guests is just flows, but like, it sounds like it's, it's like a way of living, right? It's not something yeah. that you do, like you said, yes. like with manifesting or the way you think. Mm -hmm. So like, cause obviously like as we had it as a topic potentially of like bringing that richness of spirituality into your day-to-day -day work specifically, like I, I imagine that that connects with what you just said with like that major topic. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, yeah, I'd yeah. love to hear more about that. Yeah. I mean, it's really a quality of being. And I think, um, how do I want to frame this? I think one, one of the things that I would say is that we're in a time where we're interfacing and, and, and coming to a place of a lot of unknown. Yeah, There's a lot that's not known. Things, don't, things aren't working in the ways that they have historically. And I think to a really significant degree, it's not like you do this and then this, and it leads to this mm -hmm. in a really linear way, which I think it was for a long time. And, um, and so as some of those structures and, and ways of being start to dissolve, some of the organizational structures and things in our world dissolve, we need to find a new way to navigate. And, and that's personal. And then that's also within our businesses, within our careers, within our institutions, within relationships and all these different ways. And so really learning how to cultivate a way to be comfortable in the mysterious unfolding and mm. in the emergent space and, and, and not, you know, so the bridge is we can learn how to do that kind of 
you know, in our somatic process or in our meditation or whatever else it is. But then how do we do that in the middle of a meeting? How do we do that when we're looking at how to navigate this shift here and there? And, and so, so these pieces um, become a lot of the exploration. Right. Yeah. That, that actually makes me think of something that me and my business partner were just talking about today because so my business partner, her name is Rachel. She's an emerging coach herself. Mm-hmm. And she's stepping into the space of supporting clients that are, have been in the history, past history has been quote unquote, my clients, mm-hmm. but now it's our clients, mm-hmm. but she's still finding her direction in terms of how she shows up. And she was literally telling me today that when she was in a particular coaching call, she noticed her own like mind, like throw up a, uh, like a, um, like a paradigm or a limiting belief. And she worked with it within the moment. Now, I, I think I will say it's probably much easier in the space of coaching to have that kind of relationship, but it's not, I don't think it's local just to like that industry of like yeah. coaching or healing. Cause we do that for sure. But that absolutely can be within a meeting, like in a corporation, an organization, whatever it is, no matter how quote unquote corporate it might be. Yeah. So that quality of self-knowledge, it's absolutely true. So even in our relational dynamics, when we're communicating with people, there's, we are humans fundamentally, we're these animal creatures and we have all these layers of conditioning and, you know, um, you know, there's a way you could say like, I trust people. I also trust their trauma. We have a lot of it. (laughs) Yeah. Can you say that again? That was so good. Yes, I trust people and I also trust our trauma. You know, I, I mm. trust that that's going to show up. It's it's going to show right. up. And to deny that is a real, um, it's a danger ultimately, right? So it's like to know, to expect that our attachment stuff is going to show up in any in any time we throw humans together in an organization and leadership and community of any sort. And so recognizing our own trauma or triggers and recognizing when it's showing up in another and really knowing how to work with it. So again, that energetic way of being, if I can have a foundation of stability in me enough, like I have enough practice and self-knowledge and I notice when I get out of sorts and I take a moment and I can center that or tune into it and listen to it, not push it away not push it down. But what's the wisdom here? What's the Mm. fear? What's actually wanting to happen? Oh, I'm actually getting good information here. That person, it doesn't feel quite like it's, it's stable over there. I need to ask them more questions or I need to help them settle. Hmm, and, right. and so again, we can do this without being, you know, energy workers, manipulating the energy. We yep. can do that through just presencing someone, making direct eye contact, asking them, getting curious, like, how are you? What's happening for you right now? Hmm. And if we can do that in, in some sort of way. So, you know, it, it's a quality of entrainment and in, in energy, there's entrainment, there's limbic system entrainment, there's nervous system entrainment. So if I can learn how to stabilize my nervous system, it can help stabilize the nervous systems in the room. Hmm. And from stable nervous systems, we co-create and generate together new patterns and pathways. If we don't stabilize in those ways, we become, you know, adversarial. Mm -hmm. And then we get into power over and power under dynamics and play. And what we want is power with and power through. So we talk about power through, which is more, um, that through, if we can navigate those tricky relationships in a really skillful way with a lot of openness and understanding, we reach a new level of power that we couldn't have reached alone. So it's not just power Mm. with, but something emergent power through that dynamic begins to come forth. And I think that place, that space is where a thriving future lies for humanity. Mic drop. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I've never heard it put it that way, but it's, yeah. it makes so much sense. It resonates for sure. And, and I, th- I think it's, it's also highlighting the importance that every person has to play. Like everyone has a role. Everyone and even if you don't consider role. yourself, like you said, like a, a energy worker or a healer, your the way that you carry yourself in the world affects the people around you. And so if you're, if you're reacting to everything, then people are going to be reacting to you and it's just going to create more chaos. But like you said, if you're that hub of, um, I'm going to choose how to respond to this people, even if they're not aware of it, are going to, they're going to subconsciously, like you said, be entrained or they're they're going to, they're going to want to listen to you. They're going to feel comfortable around you. And then in that way you can kind of use their energy. Then once they're calming down, you can build something, which is what I've heard, which is really, yeah, great. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that reflective feedback. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's powerful stuff when we start to really realize like that it's instead of like manifesting and having an agenda and saying, it's going to be like this. And this is, it's only high vibes, but when we can really center in this place of mastery where we're kind of generative and churning and receiving and transforming ongoing, um, the potential is just phenomenal. And it really only takes one. It doesn't, it doesn't Mm. take everyone and people will begin to entrain in new ways around you. They'll Mm. start mirroring that type of connection and communication because we are these pack animals and these creatures. And I've seen it happen in multiple circumstances. So um, a lot of the energy work are kind of tools to uh, find ways to feel how our system's moving and how to make connections to help it run smoothly when it starts to malfunction, which is essentially when we're triggered, our energy is not flowing. I see your beautiful, um, in the background there, um, Kevin, I see your sacred geometry pieces and yes, we work with the toroidal flow a lot. And so each of us is a Taurus. Yes. When our energy is kind of distorted, there's places and ways that the Taurus is kind of, um, maybe, you know, moving, I'm using my hands right now and this is an audio recording. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the Taurus can wobble, it can wobble or it can feel frazzled or it can feel just not quite as coherent as it could be. And we really Mm. want our Taurus to feel robust and delicious and alive. And so when we learn how to work with the energy in ways that we can return it to that state, we find our nervous system is regulated. We find our thoughts are clear. We find our connections are better. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a flow state. Yeah. Yeah, Flow state. And that just has them just like thinking out loud that has implications for so many things too. Like even just overall health, like when your nervous systems calm down like that, like that could, that can probably solve like 90% of like chronic illnesses in America because our nervous systems are so dysregulated that we can't digest food correctly. We can't assimilate nutrients correctly. We're always stressed out, like blood pressure's up. So just having that could definitely help with a load of things. And I was even thinking of family systems too. Um, Like if you're, you know, if you have a good family system and both of your parents are well-grounded, the children are going to be well-grounded and they're going to grow up well-grounded. And it just has ripple impacts. I can see. It really has ripple impacts. Yeah. And um, so that idea of resonance, so we work with the Taurus. This is, I'm I'm getting a little geeky here. Tell me if I need to do it. No, go for it. (laughs) We we love it. And we know our audience is like just lighting up hearing that. So go for it. When, when we work with the Taurus in this way, you know, the Taurus is nesting. So our Taurus, we have the toroidal field. We work with the source field Taurus in general when we're working, but you know, each of our chakras is its own toroidal field that's nestled within the larger one. But then in a family system, each individual in the family is a Taurus. And mm. then the family itself has an overarching Taurus. 
And so, yeah, and, and then the resonance piece is that when one is kind of wobbling or unstable in some way, it can it can impact the whole field. But mm -hmm. when one stabilizes, it impacts the whole field too. So the intelligence of any piece of the system can be, by means of the overarching torus, can be intelligence for the entire system. Gotcha. Wow. So, and so that's the power through piece where, right? Like when we come together, we create something different than alone. So even the three of us sitting here together right now, you're inspiring and generating things in me because of the spaces you have constitutionally or cultivated in yourselves and vice versa. And so we become mm. more together, right? Mm. And so that's, yep. that's part of the beauty of our, of our interconnectivity. That's really amazing to hear because, and I, I'm glad you're, you're feeling that too. And just noticing that within this space, because mm -hmm. Chris and I, I mean, it's pretty obvious be giving our last names, but we're brothers. He's a year and a half older than me. I've known him my entire life. So, <laughs> so that alone, but then for the fact that we have like such an interest together and in just science and spirituality in general, like our, even when we don't have a guest, like our conversations are really um, like we call them fire. Like they're really just, like, there's so much energy there. And it sounds like, sounds like that's a reason why is because our energy fields are coming together. Again, I just never actually used or known to like use the words or the terminology that you're using. It makes it, it paints it such a clear picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I also love what you said about the, you know, we all have our own chakras and then in a the family system, like your, your energy is part of like the whole, I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of like fractals where mm -hmm. it keeps, so that that's what it reminded me of. So it's like the, the health of you affects the health of the family system, yeah. the health of the family system affects the community, the community yeah. affects the neighborhood, the nation. And so when you think about it from that model, you can really see why things feel so chaotic right now. It's because I feel like everyone at a base level is very dysregulated and it's causing ripple effects up. Yeah, and it's and it's also the importance of our personal practice and our our willingness to engage with community while mm. we are in our personal like you know yes. being stable in that way and then not kind of hermiting out totally, mm. but also coming mm. back and engaging with the world as it is as we are, in the pace that is comfortable for us that we can sustain. But like the importance of that feels really you know, not to be. Um, lost it's important right yeah. i honestly yeah. think that's everything yeah right there i mean if we're going to have a transformation in our world then it has to happen i mean obviously on the individual level but we can't just be hermits like you said like and i think that's that's interesting because we talk a lot about like your know, spiritual awakening and when people first really start to awaken or awaken to their own power their energy like whatever because there's many different pathways into like what we you can call like quote unquote truth of like what's actually going on it can feel very isolating because if you don't have people around you that, that are connected or knowing themselves, then you feel so alone, but it's so important. Like you said, to actually show up and start sharing in community, like give you an example. When, when I first really woke up and started to walk this path of just greater consciousness, uh, Chris and my family, like my, actually, you know, Chris, you're pretty awake too. It was more so with food like nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. That's but how was, I got my start. And it was that exactly. But like, it was, it was by me making decisions and actually living in a certain way that really affected, I mean, Chris, but then also our whole family, but then beyond that, but you have to be kind of, it sounds like, I mean, for me, it's like, you have to have kind of the courage to actually show up and give. You really do. I think, I think there's, there's a couple of places that are interesting with that happen, I think with people at that juncture. And one of them is people think they need to go and change everyone around them, that they need right. to get it exactly mm, like you yeah. do. And that tends to just create more separation and distance. Yes. Right. And then the other one is thinking that you need to leave behind everyone who doesn't get it. 
And I think that that's not really valid or true either exactly. Sometimes you yep. need some space to figure out yourself for a minute. And I think that that is a developmental step and stage and is important, but that really like when we land these understandings, when we really embody in some way, then we can show back up to these relationships, totally integrate and authentically who we are with so much love and capacity to connect. Yes. And that connection helps the people around us if they love us and, and they're present um, to grow and change on their own terms, in their own yes. way. They find what's true for them through that relationship and in their own ways and in their own life and start to open in some way. And yeah, and I think that that's a really beautiful thing. And that's a tricky stage when we first have that awakening. We <laughs> it is. It really is. I, I, I went through that myself unknowingly. Mm -hmm. I've like wanted to have like everyone to have it. Like in the yeah. first like year or so, like I <laughs> definitely tried to force some things on Chris that did, was not, it was not okay. It, it came around <laughs> to it in my own time, you know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that, that's how it has to be though. Cause you know, you want, you want it to be that person's idea. You want them to have their own experience when they're going through it. But I feel like when you, when you're that grounded person and you're going out into the world like that, it's almost like you said before, you act as that hub. So I think when, the, when there's two like really healthy parents, like they allow the child to explore a little bit, you know, maybe like get hurt and fall down, but it's in a safe container. I feel like that's what people who are spiritually awake and decide to go out into the world. Like that's kind of how they act to other people, like spiritual parents almost to allow them to kind of play a little bit, but feel safe while they're exploring. Yeah. yeah. That, that container. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, tell us more. Cause I'm, I'm curious, like, again, you, we were speaking to this and we went off in different tangents, which is beautiful. I'm curious, like to hear more of like how you notice how this relates in a work situation or like day-to-day -day work, like, cause see, obviously it's an easy application for what you just said is that you go into those relationships that, you know, some people might not be open or ready to actually like walk their own path yet, but that you actually hold space for them. I could see that easily happening in work, but are there other dynamics that happen within a workspace? I think there's so many different dynamics, you know, and, and so the applications are so, so, so far all over the place. Yeah. But, but one fast. of them is there, there's two things that are occurring to me right now. So I'll speak to each of them. One of them is, I do think that, you know, I kind of mentioned loosely this idea of navigation and that things are kind of shifting everything's shifting. So before it was like, okay, there's solid ground. And if you wanted to get a certain direction, there was tracks that were laid, or there was like a really clear way to build the business or build the, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, the project that you're moving forward with. And right now it's kind of like, we're not on solid ground. We're kind of on water or, or it's liquidy, you know, it's like, and, and are there train tracks or, you know, are, is there a capacity to lay something down that's foundational in that way? And, you know, I don't, I don't, I think that there's capacity for, okay, how do I want to say this? In the energy, I feel, I find that there is a new energetic architecture that's here that has been here. That is, is, it's pretty new. It hasn't been here for very long and it was very, very mutable. So um, I'm going to get really out there again. So, so a lot of people talk about something happened in 2012, you know, something was going to happen in 2012. And, and for me, I always actually take things with a grain of salt and I always want my own direct experience around something. So right. a little bit after, after 2012, there was this feeling where I started really feeling in the energy that the energy and some of the fields and the outer fields that we work with are really highly structured. And they felt kind of like, almost like metal foundation structures of like a skyscraper building, you know, in the energy, there was that quality to it. 
And around that time, it started feeling more like, like heat, heated glass, like it had a liquid mm. quality. It started kind of feeling more movable, uh, more mutable. And it continued to get more and more kind of porous, more diffuse, more mutable. And so I think that that translates to a lot of what we're seeing happening in the world over these last many years. And what I feel like is happening right now, just in the last many months, is that there's a new architecture that's coming into being that's very vital and very strong. But our world is not backed by it yet. Our world is still backed by that old structure that's still dissolving, a lot of what we see in our world. Now, what I also will say is that I see more and more things popping up here and there that feel like they're backed by this new architecture. Mm. What I'm trying to say is that people, there's many people all over who are recognizing, feeling connected to this and starting to build something new and emergent off of it. Mm. But that foundation is really, really different. So in the application, I know I'm being somewhat abstract, but in the navigation right now, I think learning how to listen for that. And sometimes it's very mysterious in the sense that what we are called to do or what we feel like moving towards doesn't make sense in the traditional way. It wouldn't make sense to do that. That's not mm -hmm. what you do first. You don't put that piece there first. Yep. You can't go just talk to that person. Um, doing that project doesn't make sense because you don't have this in place yet. And what I'm feeling a lot is for people, not just whimsically somewhere up in the ethereal idea realm, but really feeling an embodied sense, feeling compelled or directed towards something to really listen to that. Because I think that is the safest route more than the old structural way because people will try to do that a plus b equals c and then it's just not working out so really yeah. feeling for what that movement is that's wanting to come into form mm. and moving from that place i love the illustration you gave about the the structures because i mean i've never heard it that way before but it resonated with me like it 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 describes what's happening right now like it, i can see that happening so very very interesting yeah i, I like that metaphor whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It takes a great deal of surrender and trust. And also, you know, surrender and trust can have this feeling of like really passive and yin, but surrender and trust with a whole lot of willingness, there's this action mm. that wants to be taken. And so, you know, it's, um, I, I think I'm again, going on a tangent, but you know, we live in this world of paradox and there's kind of these active and passive masculine, feminine kind of poles that we're working with. And I feel like there's this pull shift occurring in some way where both energies are still very, very needed, but it's almost like first we go into the emptiness and into the spaciousness. We start mm. from the yin, we start from the feminine in a way that we were starting from the masculine and then the feminine would maybe have a space held. Mm -hmm. It feels like more we start from the emptiness and then we listen for the active that wants to emerge forth from that. And so mm. it's like the order kind of shifted. Mm. And that's something that I feel like um, is something that's a useful practice. Yeah, I can see, I can, I, and I can see why that could be hard for most people too. Like that yeah. that idea of surrender, because it's it's the unknown. Like we don't we don't want that as humans. Like we want things to be known, and so allowing yourself to surrender into that unknown is it's very difficult, especially yeah. you know, when you're stressed and like you're not feeling great, and, and you just have all these other things to deal with. It's very hard to get into that space of let me just let me just allow things to happen. Do you have any, do you have any tips, I guess, for people who are maybe struggling with that to, to kind of uh, help them in that process? Yeah. I mean, simple versus more, more advanced. I would say, I'm just going to first just reflect back to you that, yeah, that is really, really hard. It's hard because when we get confronted with the unknown, it's like this blank slate and whatever our fears are going to get projected onto mm -hmm. it. 
So, so I think one of the, one of the things I would say is learning how to embrace our fear itself. Um, talking to the places that are afraid, you know, internally and, and seeing what they're afraid of and seeing what they need to feel safer in the mm, context. Mm. Cause sometimes it's not that they necessarily need to know. They just need to trust that, uh, your values are aligned or you have their back in some way or that some parameters are in place. And so listening to that's actually really grounding and stabilizing to the nervous system. So we always want to start with that. So I think part of it is making sure that the priority is our internal stability allows us to be resilient enough to move into the unknown. Right. So mm. there, that, that is an essential piece, you know, not just flying off the cliff, right. but kind of, yeah, t- tending in that way. A hundred percent. It sounds like, I mean, that simple tool, it's a shifting in the energy in the initial space so that you're not perpetuating that energy when you move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so another thing, a lot of the practices we do, we do, we do meditation practices and things. And one of them is when we focus on a lot of light in the energy, we work with a lot of light energy in all these different ways, but just light energy in the system can start to feel kind of manic and tight. It gets really bright and light and more and, and more. And, hmm. and so when we also can feel a quality of spaciousness, hmm. of empty space, you know, the, the night sky without stars, rich velvety blackness, the depth of soil beneath us. Again, these are things, the darkness is something that we've kind of been conditioned to not want to, but if we choose our darkness, then it's like every particle of light can be held in a sea of endless spaciousness. Mm. And then there's so much room for more light and for reorganization to occur and our nervous system settles. And so again, it's this feeling like if we can learn how to cultivate a connection to those energies, something different becomes possible wow and and we're more comfortable yeah. with the unknown mm-hmm. it's beautiful you can easily see that as a way forward that is much more calming like even you literally just saying that i know it wasn't like so much of like a bring us through an exercise or anything but like i noticed my energy just started to like just settle in a really powerful mm-hmm. way that was awesome yeah thank you for sharing that and great chris great question with that because that's it's so important to have a something practical or something like a tool or something to use. Right. But, or even a framework, I think you might've used that word before, but yeah. Awesome. Is there anything, yeah. Is there anything more you want to tell us about your program or the healing system? Cause I, that, that's what really intrigued me as well in the very beginning. I know we kind of got away from that, but all this is related. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell us about that in terms of uh, how you work with people and um, maybe what someone can expect if they were going to work with you? Yeah, you know, um, we have a, a intro program that's called Evolutionary Leap, and it's like a lot of like all the tools and the training really fast, so people can kind of dive in and, and work with it. It's live, and we offer that two or three times a year. Uh-huh. Um, and then from there, people sometimes will want to. We do we do retreats, we do a long two year training, and those kind of things. But but a lot of the questions you're asking, you know, it's hard in this hour to give a lot of the yeah. pieces because we want to give you like you know, how does the Taurus work and how does it function and how do you find your constitutionality in it? Because once you find that, you can really find ways to stabilize your system at will. 
And you can notice when you're triggered, what happens in your energy, energy body system in that way. And then the things that are useful to you specifically. So that's one of the things is that it's different based on us constitutionally. So some modalities and practices really focus on these internal ways of working and some work on these external, like what is going to work for you is going to be unique and distinct. And when we can track our own Taurus, we can really know what's going to work for us. What does work Mm -hmm. for us really quickly and well and efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is there actually ways to track the strength of your Taurus that maybe modern science has figured out how to like measure? Cause I know we have, we, we can like measure the electromagnetic field around us. Is it similar to, so to I, I don't know what they're doing and how, you know, I don't know where that's at right now. So the electromagnetic field, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I'm sure it's further along than when I was really looking at this yeah, stuff like 15 yeah. years ago, but, um, yeah, the electromagnetic field. Absolutely. There's ways that people track it. The Taurus itself for me, you know, when I was first, I studied so much different type, many different types of energy forms. So, you know, I'm a Reiki master and I did acupressure and I did chakra work and I did polarity therapy and it, you know, like on and on all of these different energy modalities for the body. And when I first kind of got the download for the Taurus about, about 15 years ago and, and really started to understand something about it, there was this way that I started seeing that like it was like all the other pieces were like, you know, the, the parable that's kind of like, you know, there are all these, these people standing around and they, one of them said they saw, you know, the, the trunk of the elephant one of them saw the mm-hmm. feet and one of them mm-hmm. saw the tusk and no one could see the whole elephant. Like when I saw the Taurus, I was like, that's the elephant. So yep. I think a lot of these things track pieces in different ways, but I don't know what tracks the entirety. And so when I'm in session with someone or when we're working in some sort of way, when we reach a flow state, which we're not in all the time, when we reach these flow states, the toroidal field is moving in these multi, you know, I'm using my hands again, sorry, Mm -hmm. in these multi-dimensional kind of ways. And, um, and at other times it's kind of just resting and at other times it's moving, but there's parts that are kind of atrophied or quiet, or there's parts that feel disengaged, or we're more in the upper part or the lower part or the outer part or the inner part. So it's not flowing all through very, very, you know, well Mm. or functionally. So is there something that tracks all of these different spaces and places? Not that I'm aware of, but I'm sure that could be true and could be coming. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like even the, the electromagnetic field, like being able to measure that, just like the specificity that you're talking about in terms of like all the energies that go into it. I feel like that's probably a little ways away from figuring out how to be able to measure something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) with like scientific equipment. Yeah. Who knows? And at the same time, I think that, that maybe even in the older models, there's times when people get into flow state that they'll see repercussions in those ways. Right. Like I think a long time ago, Dr. Valerie Hunt did work with dancers and they would say they would reach these trance states and she'd put electrodes on their, on the dancers' bodies and they would be dancing. And at first the electrodes would be really going off you know, their muscles moving and, and those types of things happening. And she had intuitively placed one on, on one of the dancers' third eyes as well. And when the dancer reached kind of this trance state in their dance, um, the electrodes on the body stopped registering very much and the one on her third eye went off. So wow. I think there's probably ways. And I think if we were tracking the Taurus, we would see a lot of um, dynamism and nuance and would see more of the fullness of what, what was happening. But I think they were able to monitor that to some degree, even just in that way. So Yeah, well, that's really cool. I um, And I think that that's also going to be a way to, in the future, to help diagnose people with things too. Yeah. Um, you can see where or what part of the Taurus is, let's say, weak, and you'll be able to map it to something that's going on, and it, you'll be able to 
help people that way too. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fascinating thing is like, it's not directly correlative, meaning like the Taurus can be functioning in some kind of way in some area around the body. And it won't necessarily track with that organ or that place in the body. It will mm. track with something else that's going on. So it's an interesting, you know, it's kind of like, we have so much to learn. There's so much yeah. that we don't understand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing too, because then there's that's that much more exploration thing. and discovery yeah. and newness to bring in yeah and humility right like it's like that's the place of the emergent mystery like how can i know anything but something Mm. greater than me that lives deep inside of me does and i can know Mm. that (laughs) yes exactly i was literally just thinking this like a couple hours ago it's like there's so much that i know but because of that there's so much that i know that i don't know yeah like (laughs) it's beyond yeah yeah it's beautiful was there anything else you wanted to share as we were, I mean, we still have, I mean, noticing our, we, we, we're going we fast with all this yeah. information. <laughs> great. Yeah. So we have plenty of time still, but yeah, anything that's kind of, cause I think, and maybe this is calling back to something we were saying just like maybe 10 minutes ago, but I think you were going to make like two points to something. I don't know if you got to that second point, if you even remember. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I think that I actually did get to the second point. I think okay. one of the things I wanted to talk about was that broader navigation and the, well, I guess this is this is actually good to highlight. Mm. The other piece that I wanted to bring in is just this idea of integration, I think is really important. So we learn a lot of the time, those of us on spiritual and healing development practice paths, um, we learn all these tools and techniques and we learn these tools and techniques and we get really good at, you know, taking our however long in the morning or in the evening or once a week or going on retreat or being in ceremony, you know, whatever, however you, you, you find your way to things. And one of the things I talk about a lot, um, because I tend to work with people at this intersection, you know, of spirituality and householder or business or worldliness is how important integration is and how important, you know, these bigger practice blocks that we do, I talk about it as going to the well. So we have to Mm. go to the well and get water, but we have to remember to sip water all day. Mm. And I think sometimes we forget to do that or we don't have that embedded in some way. And, and we have, there's apps and things that people set timers to do different things. But um, I like to revisit that regularly. You know, what is that for me? What's keeping me awake and alive in my, in my life? So sometimes, you know, I like to play with the idea of water. So um, water in, water out, washing hands. Um, every time I do that, every time I interface in that way to remember to connect in with my total flow again. Mm. to center myself in some way um so remembering to bring it's kind of like those practices create deeper pathways of movement in our system so remembering to reconnect to those regularly is really important all day long yeah Mm. i bet that's something we actually preach a lot on this podcast throughout various episodes is the fact that all this stuff is it's a practice and a new way of being versus just something you do once and then just one and done um so it's like be sure, you know, you're, you know, you're signing up for that. It's like, this is, this is a new way of living. It's not just, I'm going to do this once or go to one seminar and then I'm going to be, you know, all better. Yeah. 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 Is there any other, cause I love that. It's just such a simple way that you work on integration. Yeah. When you do that, like checking in, like, as you consider, you say that, is there anything in particular that now it's just become like natural for you that you just do naturally like or like has there been something that you've been working with that over time it's like that is how I integrate or is it literally just like a remembering I think it's nuanced and it shifts um 
you know, in some way. And I also think that so much of it is just who I am and how I am. I think a lot walks with me at right. this point. You know, there's so many things that have been cultivated over time and there's always more to learn or a moment where I'm hitting something new where it's like, oh, that's the thing, mm. you know, um, that's throwing me off in this moment or that it would be useful for me to remember or, or whatever else it is. So um, I actually have this practice another tangent where <laughs> do it <laughs> i have a really full life you know i have i have a business i have um two kids i have mm. you know i have there's a lot that's going on we have like a mini farm kind of at our house there's just a lot that we have going on and so um on sunday nights i kind of i have this big whiteboard and i still keep it on a whiteboard i don't use an app i don't put it on my computer and I will choose, you know, five to seven things and I'll put that along the, the vertical axis and then I'll have the days of the week across the horizontal axis. Nice. And I'll kind of just write some things that like are things that I'm working on, like things that I want to commit to. And I'll say how many times a week. Um, so habit shift. So, so as humans, we are very habitual creatures and we get caught up in whatever habits. And when we want to make changes, it's useful. And so with the habit shifts, it's First of all, making, you know, micro habits, like pulling back, not doing more than we can handle right. um, so that we have a lot of success in whatever it is that we're doing, but then really just having this accountability piece. And so some of those pieces that I'll bring in will have to do with a day-to-day remembrance mm. of some sort of something in particular that I'm working with. Nice. That, that brings me back. I, I, I did that for myself years and years ago. Honestly, you saying that, I was like, hmm, that may, might be interesting for me to do. I have this nice whiteboard. It's like a glass thing. It's not, I mean, it's still got the dry erase marker and everything, but they're doing that there. But like that made a profound difference for me when I did that. And that was actually even before I felt like I like quote unquote woke up to like really like my spirituality and just like who I am. But it was just more of like personal development, much more like, I don't know, straightforward, logical, but like it does have deep implications to everything else in our life. It really does. And so the cool thing is, is when like mixing those two things again, so that's the intersection, right? So that's the intersection of spirituality and the mundane. So these are all like task things that we would do maybe as part of habit forming or or self-improvement kind of in a more mundane and and logical way. And then how do we infuse that with the spiritual as well and have those two things sit together in a Mm. way that's actually habit changing? Like, like it's like such a subtle thing, like connect those two dots and then something totally else happens. Right. So that that's part of the integration in the day-to-day work it's like how does everything get infused with that spiritual um awareness yeah yeah absolutely i love that it's such a simple thing to do so thank you for sharing that yeah Yeah. more the more simple it is the easier it is to do (laughs) the easier it is to continue that yeah the easier it is to like forget and also think that it won't matter too it's like, the, it's tricky. So it's like, you know, the, it's the little things that build up over time that actually end up making the radical changes. It really is. Yeah, it really is. You know, one, one of, I'm just gonna, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm just going to say it. Um, we, we call our program the evolutionary leap. And, and the reason is that it's what we were saying earlier, which is that I really think that humanity is making a consciousness shift and that that consciousness shift is about this kind of creative way of this co-creative creator consciousness way of being right and so one of the ways there's actually a million different 
consciousness states. There's not just four. So these, these, but making it into these four, make it accessible. It makes it something that we can work with and, and that mm -hmm. we can use. And so there's no real way to spontaneously shift consciousness. Actually, we can't actually become enlightened just by sheer force of will. Mm -hmm. However, if there was a way that we could start to awaken at will in some places, it's through oscillation. So it's through this ability to move between states which means, can I be in a very realized place? And then can I move into the triggered and victim place? And then can I move back into my conscious place? Mm -hmm. And can I do that more and more gracefully? And building that bridge between those parts of my nervous system or those parts of my identity or those ways of being spontaneously creates an up-leveling of state. And so it's this very counterintuitive thing. We think we want to go up ladder by ladder, but it's really this nuanced bridge building in all of these places, like you were saying, it's like these little detailed pieces of work. It's like doing those things and allowing our awareness, our awakeness, our consciousness to touch into all of those little detailed places. That's what creates the transformation. It's not as, you know, sexy mm. yeah. <laughs> as what we might think, yeah. but um, yeah, it's incredibly impactful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not meant to be sexy. Yeah. Like, I think that's, a, that's an issue. I mean, we could probably have a whole nother podcast episode about that of just like how, I mean, it, cause many times like what we discover, say like on social media or on, on the internet, whatever is just so, um, surface. That's why I love, that's why Chris and I love having a podcast because yeah. we can get so deep, deep in conversation yeah. versus, oh, here, let me just put this one post and it takes taken out of context and it doesn't have like all the depth behind it, but like, it's these, you know, nuanced things, like you said, but like, I love that. It's just the, the tiny things and how you bridge that together. That's beautiful. And the oscillation between that. Yeah. I've again, never, never heard of that before, but like, it just makes so much sense. Like, and I see that in my life, I've definitely done that, but I'd never had words for it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and yeah, it may not be sexy and it's kind of attractive. Like people can feel that when you have that foundation, right? Mm -hmm. It yes. becomes really like attractive, beautiful, yes. compelling. Yeah. Definitely. It, speaking of energy, I was literally telling to Chris, telling Chris this yesterday about certain people that we talk to having this, like people on our podcast, mm -hmm. you're, you're, I feel this honestly right now, Gitanjali, that you're one of them. There's a certain energy that people have when they're speaking from a place of knowing, not just from even experience or head knowledge, but it's deeper than that. Like it's that, I don't know, the, they've been in the field, if you, if you will, like there's, there's a different way in which people talk. You can have two people say the exact same thing, but there's different energy behind the words. Like I call it the spirit behind the words that they're saying. Yeah. And I feel that with you. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. We, we call it like embodied transmission. Like it becomes transmission. Mm. It's like, it's like felt and known and been integrated. So yeah, you know, the shadow stuff's digested, the work's still happening. It's not done. Yep. You know, I'm not, yep. I'm not, I'm not outside of that, you know, it's yep. still occurring. And just to reflect back to you, I really feel, um, both of your spirits and hearts. It feels really nice to be here. I feel really welcome and seen and home, and it's really comfortable to share and talk with you. And that feels really nice. So I'm grateful mm. to be here. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I so appreciate that. Katanji. Yeah. yeah. I was feeling, I honestly had my heart chakra has been like open this entire call. So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad you can feel that. <laughs> I feel it too. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, sweet. So, uh, oh my gosh, that was like the last 15 minutes went by like that. Uh, yeah. So um, with that said, coming to a close with this, which 
honestly, I have a feeling we, we've said this to a handful of our guests. We'd love to have you back. Just saying that now mm-hmm. um, for another conversation and to continue this at some point, but uh, any final messages you want to share with the people that are listening as well as we'll get into like, you know, where could people find you and all that, but any final thing you want to share? You know, I don't think so. Um, I think that we covered yeah. a lot of ground. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Well, yeah. So then where can people find you and your work and how to connect with you? Yeah. So centarasystem.com is where they can find me. Um, I have a membership. We have our six week training. We have a two year training. We have all kinds of stuff. That's um, great and fun. And what I'll do too, is I'll make a separate landing page for this and I'll offer you a meditation around maybe that spaciousness and light kind of mm, piece. Cool, so yeah. You guys can check that out if you'd like. I'm That'd be beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We'll add that to the description of this episode so people can just click it, make it easy for them with technology. Yeah. Thank God for yeah. technology. Yeah. It's so easy. But yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here at the Katanjali. This has been amazing. Just yeah. enlightening. Thank, you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. I'll say one more thing. I've been doing um, seasonal retreats at Esalen and so mm, okay. with the land and ceremony. So if anybody wants to look at that too. Beautiful. Cool. Is that on your website too? It's on my website too. Excellent. Great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful so so much it was lovely thank to meet you, too. you yeah yeah ditto nice to meet you too and that's it for today so thanks for tuning in we really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it so any questions any comments connect with us on instagram personally at kevin f carton or at chris j carton or our podcast instagram page at science and spirituality podcast And if you feel guided to, the one thing that we do ask is for you to please rate the podcast and also leave a review. This way we can reach more people and in that way impact more lives. So with that, we'll see you on the next episode.